Hello, Faith. So good to be with you today. As Michael said, my name's Mike. I'm another Mike. I think we got a lot of mics on stage today. There's a mic running sound. It's a good day for mics. So good to be here. Um, So yeah, I'm from Atlanta, and I've been a music minister, worship guy. I've done the Michael Williams thing in my context for over almost 30 years, maybe over 30 years. Um, And the past seven or eight years, I've had the privilege of traveling to many different churches. So I was in one church for a long time, through my 20s and 30s, served one minister. uh, And the past eight years, I've been teaching and traveling around the country and in different streams of the church. So I'll be in a charismatic church one week, a Lutheran church the next week, an Anglican church the following week. Like, it's just this beautiful journey and assignment the Lord's given me to serve the musicians in many different kinds of churches. And it's it's really fun. It's really exciting. And I just want to say, you're part of that tapestry, that faith church. You're part of that tapestry of what God is doing. His kingdom is coming on the earth, and it's being delivered through his people, okay? So you are part of that expression in Borger and in Amarillo and everywhere you go, and it's beautiful. I've been here five or six times now. It's like, of all the churches I've been to, maybe I've been here just because we became friends, like Michael and I. I'm like, this guy's not weird. Uh, He's normal. His family's amazing. Like, we just hit it off, right? Where are we friends? Okay, cool. I know he has a lot of friends, and I'm just one of them, but, you know, I appreciate it. So I've come back many times to the Panhandle, and it's just been really sweet to serve here. Um, and I completed, I've been to Hip Shots. Amazing, right? Uh, I haven't been to the new Starbucks here. <laughs> but he's taken me to some hipster coffee shops in Amarillo, which is amazing. Um, And uh, last night, I think I finished the fine dining experience of Borger. We went to the Texas Rose or the, the, yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, Texas Rose, everybody. Um, the, 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 The biscuit, the muffin thing, the roll. It was great. It was amazing. Um, so I feel like I'm family now. <laughs> uh, so it's so good to be here. Uh, thank you, Les, for making space. Uh, for me to preach and uh, serve the pulpit today. Uh, Like I said, I'm the music guy. I'm the music minister. So I normally don't preach. I preach maybe four or five times a year. And what's good is when you're a traveling like minister person, you just have like the same two or three sermons. So you just, you don't freak out. You just kind of come. So it's a gift to preach. I'm like, sure, I can preach. I'll just pull it up. Um, And uh, this is what I'm passionate about. This weekend, we did training for the musicians in Amarillo. So we had a church come from Lubbock. We had churches come from the east and west. And we all just hung out, about 45 of us hung out in Amarillo. And we worshiped together. And we talked about what is important about worship and about music. And it was a really sweet time. Um, You, whether you know it or not, are on a journey as a church. And 
The church is growing. I've seen it grow. I've seen it change. I've seen it mature. And God is, you are participating, like I said, in God's reimagining of his kingdom on the earth here and now. God in his sovereignty has given us the duty to be co-creators with him, right? We don't just look up and let the priest do all the spiritual work for us, but God has actually put the tools in our hand to do the work. How many churches have the privilege to have this piece of real estate here, right? When you drive by here, you see the Catalyst logo, you see the church. This is a gift from the Lord. The Lord has gifted you this spot in the city. Why has he gifted you this spot? This congregation, I've met many of you, has 50 or 60 mothers and fathers, spiritual mothers and fathers. There are generations of worshipers here, uh, just seeing the Williams clan <laughs> alone, just seeing your folks serve and you here and the kiddos come and Owen rocked it out at the conference. He came the whole time, um, which was awesome, right? So we're passing along generations of worshipers and you guys have that here. It's so beautiful. It's a gift to the world, especially to me. I grew up without a father, addiction, uh, was was my was going to be my future, right? Uh, devastation was going to be my future. The Lord rescued me from that. And the church, when I came into a church, the church had many structures and systems in place that were there to help serve a little guy like me coming into the church. And you guys have that. God has given that to you. And as you know, every church ages, Right? Anybody been like me looking in the mirror and going, oh, get a little older. (laughs) Your body starts doing some different stuff. Um, And we're becoming new, whether we like it or not. The generations are coming in after us. So we have different challenges as we grow. And as you probably would understand, as a musician, you're holding the tension of everybody's demands, right? Right? As a 48-year-old, I find myself squarely in the middle of a generational discussion. How do we worship? When do we worship? What's the temperature in the rooms that we worship? All these factors are important, but they are not preeminent. The most important variable is not when, where, or how, but who. Who do you worship? Who do we worship, people? To quote my history professor, uh, Greg Wildey, worship is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the icon of the invisible God. He is the perfect and precise image of the marriage of humanity and divinity, beckoning us all to that same life-giving marriage and sending us likewise to summon the entire world back to the bridegroom in anticipation of the great marriage feast of the Lamb. Jesus is the center. The Westminster Catechism says, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Have you heard that before? That's a a good summary of our gig on the earth. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whatever whether you eat or drink and whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 
We must, in rhythmic fashion as a community, thrive in a rhythm of worship and devotion to the one true Father through Jesus Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. As John Piper says, let worship be the fuel of mission's flame. That awesome, wonderful update from uh, the community care people that are reaching out to mothers in need, that is mission's flame, right? If we don't worship and give honor and glory to the one who's sending us, then it's merely social justice. It's merely accolades. Does that make sense? So when we come together, it gives fuel to that flame, that thing inside of us that wants to help others. We do it because we're sent by the one who has helped us and saved us. So there are some non-biblical negotiables in worship, right? So the electric guitar rocking out. Um, I don't know if that's in the Bible. I'm pretty sure it's not. I've read it. It's not there, but we have it, and it's awesome, right? Um, And it's okay, Uh, or the fiddle, or just the way we do church in the American West. Much of this is kind of just extra. (laughs) If we were to do it explicitly like the Bible, it would probably look different. But I think the Lord knows that there are different contexts and history moves on. And then there are local church preferences in worship. Uh, the, the roots of this church and what this God has called this church to be. Um, some churches I serve in, their roots were in, like your churches you went to as kids, what was on the right and left that supported the music? The organ, right? Which was a big deal. And then the piano, when the organist couldn't be in town. <laughs> or if you were in awesome worship ministry, you had piano and organ, and a a choir. Who was in the choir? Anybody in the choir? Yeah, uh, Michael, notes, singers. Um, (laughs) So here's the good news. If you're not getting 100% of what you want from your music ministry, whether it's from Michael or you're visiting with us wherever you worship, um, good news, because you have 167 hours of the week to do whatever the heck you want. Right? This is the hour where we come together. So I want to tell you just a few principles about worship, uh, which I understand to be true and I think are really important. Actually, there might be six. I don't know. Five or six. Number one is worship works. Worship works. Our Western mindset of consumerism tells us that when you come into this building, you continue to be a consumer. Right? Aren't aren't we built as consumers like this? We are we want three sugars instead of two, and we ask for extra cream and this lid's not fitting on right. I'm using Starbucks references, FYI. <laughs> right? We're just built to consume. The TV's not working, this thing's not working, it's taking too long. And then when we come into the church, those same consumer mindsets are with us. Um, The word liturgy, have you guys heard the word liturgy, like for Catholics or Anglicans? Well, that word literally just means the work of the people. To bring the liturgy is the work of the people. So when I've served in like Catholic or monastery type vibes, they they hand you an order of worship when you come in and you just kind of check it off. Right? You smells and bells and you stand up and you they they just kind of have an order of worship and they're going through it like work. We don't hire out 
the work to the Michaels and the Lesses to do it for us. Historically, that's what the church did. They just paid the priest to worship. In fact, they paid the priest, hey, can we get away with a little bit more? <laughs> can we go sin and the indulgences and they pay off, pay off the priest a little more so they could just get away with things? But that's not a biblical worship. Worship is work and work is worship. So we can't hire it out. You have to bring your own adoration to God, your own love to him, your own affection to him. Does that make sense? The work is on the floor. It's happening with the people of God. Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take it, take care of it. Now, it wasn't until I got my master's degree in biblical worship that the professor explained to me that work isn't sin. (laughs) I always thought working was a drag. (laughs) Like, how could this be part of the kingdom of God? This is not fun. (laughs) But here we see Adam before any fall or anything bad went down. He's working the garden. God gave him the garden to work. Our work is worship unto the Lord. Your work is worship unto the Lord, making all things new. Some scholars believe that word work would be better translated to worship and obey. So our work out there in the marketplace is worship unto the Lord. And all that we do, we do it unto the Lord. So when you come to church, I encourage you to come to work. I know that feels weird because some of us are like, I just kind of want to come and chill and feel good and ooey-gooey. And some weeks you might need that. That's okay. Some weeks you might come, you might be so distraught or sad or burdened, you can't even sing, but somebody will come and do the work and sing for you. That's why there's 52 weeks a year. On repeat, we just keep coming back, right? So some weeks you won't feel like working, but I encourage you to come to sing, to pray, to minister to the Lord, to minister to one another. Turn off your consumer mindset when you come into this house, which is kind of hard because we're used to getting things our way. And see your work outside as good and righteous. Give it to him. Second thing I want to tell you is that worship transforms. Worship is formational. That thing we just did where we sang glory be to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it is transformational. It transforms us. It is forming us. You are what you love. So if you love the Lord, you will become like him. You won't become a God, but you will become more in his image. Let's take a look at this. uh, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. This is a beautiful picture of worship. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of the robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And as a a Christian, anytime you hear things in Scripture or the Lord speaks things to you in threes, what are you remembering? That God is Three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. So this is that picture of coming into the presence of God, worshiping him, glorifying him, seeing his glory, just a glimpse of his glory, and him doing that transformative work to our our mouths <laughs> in the words that we speak, right? Haven't you noticed that when you fully worship, oftentimes you come away Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe you're a little less brash, you're a little less forward, uh, your words are full of kindness. Well, that is how the Lord works. When we see him, when we behold him, we're changed by him. So don't take it for granted when you come in and just sing these Christian rock songs, which thankfully Michael's writing some for your church explicitly. We sang one of them. That's, that doesn't happen a ton. Like a lot of churches are just kind of, they're machines and they just kind of play with things. Are get, like Michael, Michael and Sarah are working hard to like give you a liturgy and a song that is uniquely yours, which is really beautiful. So these songs change us as we sing of the adoration. All worship is formational, but when we worship the one true creator and savior, we come closest to our true identity. A picture of worship for me these past few weeks has been car shopping. Do you ever get like, and I found the car that I want. I want a Toyota Venza. I want a Toyota Venza. So guess what I see everywhere I go? Toyota Venzas. <laughs> like, there's one, and there's one. Dude, there's so many. I never saw them before. This is truly going to be the best car ever. I mean, these people look really happy. <laughs> it's a Toyota Venza-shaped world for me right now, right? And, like, I've got a fantasy of me driving in it, and like, you know, like, the, the look, and, like, the sunroof, like, putting... I've already got like, I need to get some sunscreen so I can cover my head because I'm not going to have, I'm going to be a sunroof person. You know what I'm saying? Like you just start to picture yourself. You know, I am being formed and shaped by Toyota and I'm reading all the articles and I'm watching all the YouTube videos and all the things. You see what I'm saying? So I'm being formed and shaped. It's not evil. It's not nefarious, but just know that in our lives, we're constantly being formed and shaped by stuff all the time. And if you're like me, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, you just kind of want to veg and you're going to watch some things and they're going to form and shape you, right? So if nothing else in your spiritual life, Christian, come to this hour to be shaped and formed and just go, even if you're just going through the motions and your heart is not exploding with Christian love and charity, show up and just do the thing. I learned this by watching the Anglicans. They just show up to church and there's not a ton of emotion and like ooey gooey feeling. They just keep showing up. 
they keep praying and they keep doing the thing. You know, it's like, okay, I kind of judged you guys, but I kind of get it now. I get what's happening. So allow yourself to be transformed. Notice how you're being formed this week by other things and other people, other messages. Just showing up counts. Um, Pull up your listening as you listen to music throughout the week. Allow some of it to be worship music. I know it might not be everybody's favorite kind of music, but it's oftentimes the the music that's going to have some truth and scripture and help in it. So just pull that up. Do you have a playlist for the church? On Spotify, yeah. So just, you know, making dinner for the family or just whatever. I'm not saying you can't listen to other stuff. I'm just saying allow that to be part of the formation. Uh, Include daily phrases like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I see your sunset. I see the sun. Thank you, Lord. Praise God, right? Um, You're not going to be a weirdo if you start talking like that. Uh, Add those kind of phrases. I know we have curse phrases we add to our lives. So add the kind of phrases that bring glory to God and remind you that you are a worshiping being. Number three, worship sings. Number three, worship sings. Christianity is a uniquely singing faith. Our God sings over us. We see that in Zephaniah. And he commands us to sing. Did you know that the, the, if you're a Christian, you're a believer, uh, part of the command is to sing. Who, uh, who's in love with their own voice? Singing voice. Michael, raise your hand. You, like, you don't like your voice? Most of us have some sort of thought about our own singing voice or some sort of history. Have, has anybody have uh, a, a memory of somebody saying really neg- something negative about your singing voice? Yeah. Crushes us. As young kids, just that one thing somebody said, it shuts it down. And that's not what the Lord wanted. That's not what he desired. We all um, are created to sing, and, and God sings over us. So it's not about the quality of your voice. Is it Adele, or is it in tune or out of tune, but that we, we lift up our voice. We're uniquely singing people. Many of our biblical stories are marked with song. And hear Paul's encouragement in Colossians. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Just lift them up. The Lord hears it and he sees you. And they form us. They shape us. They as you sing, and you notice this with your children, like the songs they sing. <laughs> My kid sings in the shower, and it's awesome, you know. But it's whatever he's been singing, hearing throughout the week, that's the stuff he sings. This guy came over to my house and sang, like, a song about cheating on his wife or something. <laughs> you know, just like a country song or something. He came over, And, you know, if you're engineering songs, you're listening to them over and over again. And, you know... My son starts singing that song in the shower. <laughs> I'm like, Zeke, uh, it's cool melody, but you probably don't want to sing that. Um, 
the most important instrument in worship is not, what do you think the most important instrument is? The piano, the drums, the voices, the fiddle? Aaron, you killed the fiddle today. It was so good. Aaron, you're such a gift. Um, But unfortunately, it's not the fiddle. It's not the drums. It's not even the wonderful voices on stage. It is, everybody say, me. Everybody point to yourself. Choir, point to yourself. That's the gig on the floor. Biblically, the gig is you and us. We're really joining you. We're joining together in worship and song. That's actually the gig. See, in uh, the marketplace, in the concert, you can turn me down a little bit, Mike, as I come out here. Um, when, if this was a, uh, let's say somebody donated land and you guys built a big fancy church somewhere else, uh, and a music venue bought this building, right? Wouldn't they be excited? Because it's already set up as a concert, Right? So all the chairs are down here, and we're looking up at the talent. You guys are talented, Michael. Receive the, receive the praise, Michael. Um, <laughs> we're looking up at the talent. These, these folks put it all together, and we're designed in a concert, some concerts, we're designed to what? Enjoy it. Just watch it, right? And some of you guys are watchers, even at the Taylor Swift concert, you look at the videos and there's multiple people just standing there and not going crazy. Um, <laughs> so there's always people that are just kind of cognitively checking things out. And the Lord is in that and that's okay. Part of you looking up is saying, oh God, I'm, that's so awesome. I'm glad Aaron's there and Mike's playing guitar. These are my friends leading me. That's great. We're looking at the image of God. But your responsibility as a churchman or a churchwoman is to come and participate in the worship. Does that make sense? So they're just up there to kind of model it and just kind of get the machine going. But the gig is actually ours to do on the floor. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's the heart. It's the heart. And the heart of the people on this, in this church, my goodness, you guys love Jesus. Like a lot of churches I go to, like the people on stage are not who I want to be multiplying <laughs> as disciples, right? But here, you guys got that part taken care of. I trust Michael. He's doing a great job with that. So they're just up there starting the machine, and we join in. Does that make sense? So we're kind of all directing towards the glory of God, even though it looks like a concert. But we all understand, as Christians, it's our duty to participate in the songs and the scripture and just kind of And our children are watching as well, right? And they're kind of taking notes. Um, But yeah, sometimes you're not going to feel like singing. You might hate your voice. You might need somebody to pray for you that wound that happened as a kid that there would be some healing there. I've had the privilege of praying for many, many musicians that really have a hard time leading others because they have such a deep wound, but the Lord wants to heal that. So come singing. Number four, worship happens in community. Do you guys know this phrase? Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Not God with me on the golf course uh, worshiping. (laughs) 
uh, or in the mountains camping by myself, splendid isolation. (laughs) There's a place and a time for that, certainly. And even the Lord Jesus himself modeled that. But Christianity and church is us. It's people. It's the people of God. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs with the Spirit. We already heard something similar to this in Colossians. Sing and make music with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. What I really like about this from Paul is that in verse 19, he says, speaking to one another. So the instruction is to bring praise to the Lord as you're speaking it to one another. How do you do that? That's kind of cringy. That's, <laughs> that would be a little creepy, right? Just like, we exalt you. We exalt you. God is in this place. The lion and the lamb, like looking at each other, that would be a little weird for us, right? So I don't know exactly what is meant by that, but I do I do know that one of the pictures of heaven is an encircling of the throne. And if you encircle a throne and God, the deity, Jesus Christ is at the center, well, what are we also looking at in our periphery? Our friends, our family, uh, all tribes, tongues, and nations. Like we see each other, the very image of God. So maybe just maybe community Worship happens best in community. And God himself is in is community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we come not as individuals worshiping God, having an individual experience, but we come as a community. The family of God, a cord of three strands, that's the, the acceptable form of worship. Does that make sense? Like this is God's idea that we come together and do it within community. My friend Adam Russell says, humans are story-formed creatures. It's literally how we make sense of the world. And we need a story to order our lives. And specifically, a story that I'm not solely responsible to curate or to create. So if, if everything rests on you to worship God, uh, if you're like me, that's not great news. We need one another. We worship God best together. Together. In community, we belong to each other. We defer to one another. Politically, that's not like my favorite thing. Personally. But in the church, that seems to be one of our markers. Uh, When community is broken, when it's split, worship is hindered. Um, So I just want to recognize that community is messy, right? (laughs) It would be easier. Many days I fantasize and think, I think I just want to do this by myself. (laughs) Like faith, right? Or just with my wife and my family and like just get this thing done without having to deal with the disappointment of everybody, right? 
because you try a bunch of things, you, you try to build things, and then you just get shut down or people hurt you, disappoint you. You hurt other people. They don't tell you for six months. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, or they don't tell you for six years and you hear them saying, it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to go play golf. I just want to go be by myself and I'll worship on my own. That is a tendency for all of us and I totally understand that. But this community is not of our making. The church is not who you would put together for a club, but it's God's design. So worship happens best in community. So I encourage you to avoid habitual isolation. Make yourself vulnerable to God within the community and make every effort to reconcile with those who have hurt you. Okay? That's a good work. Like, there should be texts and calls and, hey, can we talks? That's where worship happens as well. Because Jesus actually says to stop worshiping if you got beef with each other. In Matthew, it says, leave your gift at the altar. First, go reconcile with your brother. Awesome. Number five, worship sets a table. In Revelation 7, we see a great multitude multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. Wow. Wow, every tribe and tongue and nation. This is God's picture of the kingdom imagined. Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations, right? I've been to your Walmart. God has brought the nations to Borger, no? Right? There's more than just white folk in, in the Walmart. There's, there's God is, in, just in general, whether, whatever you think about it, the Lord is bringing people to us, right? But, and this is a picture of the kingdom. And many of us might say, well, I'll let anybody sit at my table. Anybody, everybody's welcome. If they don't look like me or talk like me, I make space, I'll make space for them, right? Um, but have you prepared the table with that person in mind, right? Have we said, let's set a table and prepare it for them in mind? And for some churches, you know, it might be making space for females or for younger people or for uh, younger people. I let that pass, but a lot of churches, that's their struggles. They don't have a space for younger people. You guys are killing that. You guys are doing that so well, Right? This is the youth room, technically. (laughs) Um, But we shouldn't just stop there. We need to make space for the elderly, for those who are stuck in their homes. We need to make space for those who are disabled, those whose skin color doesn't look like our skin color, those uh, that don't vote like us, right? That's the kingdom of God, guys. That's, That's where it gets really good. Even in the panhandle, This can happen even in Borger. We can set a table for all people. And it's his table, not our own table. It's his rules, not our own rules. So we worship on his terms. 
Um, when I was a little boy, a church about half this size, a little church plant in Georgia, northern Georgia, uh, set a table for me before I ever got there. So I was 10. My mom was being abused by uh, this man. We moved down to Georgia from, from Michigan, and she was being abused, physically abused by him every night, thrown against the walls, hurt, hearing your mom cry and scream every night for years on end as a little boy, being in a strange place away from grandpa and grandma, uh, and just you and your sister crying and going, what is happening in this world, right? Um, that was our reality. That was all, all we knew. And, you know, in the South, we noticed there was a lot of churches. So we just thought we would go check one of these things out. And it, it was as strange as if you drive by the Islam center or something. You look at the Islam center, you're like, what goes on in there? You know, like, or in the Jehovah's Witness play, you know, like you just, it's mysterious. It's, it's, it's all kinds of things. And that's, you know, when people don't know the Lord, they drive by this building every day and they're like, I wonder what is in there, what they kind of do, right? Uh, so that's where we were. And this church set a table for us and we visited there once and we felt loved and welcomed and welcomed back despite our circumstances my, my mom, technically, you know, not married to this guy, and um, it was rough, but they made space for us. And what was cool is they allowed us to worship. They allowed me to worship without even being a Christian yet. They allowed us to serve and do the work of worship without signing any documents yet, which was cool. So we were stacking chairs. We were helping out with lunch. I was playing saxophone with the hymns, you know. Uh, this was the 90s, kids, before uh, we had drum sets. Um, and I literally came to faith in worship ministry. How cool is that? Like, that was my discipleship process, was being invited and made, and space being made for couple Yankees <laughs> to, uh, to participate in this worship space. So just know that there are, there are people looking and watching that will come into the space and they won't know the rules, but we can model it for them. We can invite them into this space of worship and it doesn't have to be weird. Um, so cool. So that's it. Those are my points. My conclusion is this. We worship Jesus on the terms he sets for us. We're tempted to make God in our own image and to worship the way I prefer, but we need to do it God's way. Jesus is our mediator. So if you fail to bring perfect worship, ladies and gentlemen, children, join the club because we all fail in this. But Jesus perfects our worship unto the Father with the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So yeah, you guys can come up and we'll sing this last song together. Uh, I want to advocate for Michael and the team. Uh, will you guys, first thing, bring your voice. Whatever voice God's given you, bring it to church. Just bring it. 
um, and participate in worship and know that some, some weeks you won't be there and that others will do it for you. And together as the church, we can worship. Um, I encourage you to encourage the musicians, okay? Just because they get to be up on stage and rock out doesn't mean that their cup is overflowing with encouragement. It's okay, and it's holy, and it's righteous, just like you do with less. Like the preachers always get less, that gray word, man. You know, you you just get constant affirmation when you bring the word. Uh, But for our musicians, continue to encourage them and bless them. Um, Young people, middle school, high school, come join Come get up on here and and worship. Be a part. I know you guys are doing your thing in your weekly deal, but there's space. We need you. Um, Seasoned believers, if you've been at this game for a minute, you've been walking with Jesus for a while, sing the new weird song, okay? Just just sing it. Just join in. And new younger kids, uh, sing some of the old school hits. Let's join in together, right? Awesome. So let me pray, and then we'll continue in worship. Please stand if you're able. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you for uh, the gift of this church, the gift of your Son. Thank you that you have saved us. Just like that song said, your mercy is more. Our sins are great, but your mercy is more. You perfect um, all that we bring unto the Father. So we ask that you would strengthen us, your church, Christians, those who call your name, to worship you, God, to bring the worship, to bring the work of worship, and to bring worship into our work, God. And I just ask right now, Lord, that you would... um, Whatever wounds we've experienced in our lives around our voices, Holy Spirit, will you come and bring a healing touch to that place that's been hurt? So I just encourage you, congregation, to, uh, to close your eyes and to allow the Lord, if that is a wound for you, allow Jesus to tell you what he thinks about your voice. Um, So bring healing. Bring hope for our voices and the things that we bring to worship God. And I pray that you would soften our hearts, God, to minister to you, even in this place, that we would minister unto you glory and honor, thankfulness, even when things are dark, even when we would minister to you. So as we sing this last song, just encourage you to join in, to worship, and we'll release you in just a moment.